There may be people who've never thought about the possibility of having fun while sober. You and I, and in one or two of the workshops I've attended with you, we, we explicitly go there. As creatives in particular, we have this false construction in the media that being drunk, having drunk for a drink, being tipsy, having a buzz that is induced by alcohol, unnecessary ways of living the good life, being able to write a sentence that's memorable, uh, for example. And that's just complete bullshit. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober Podcast, Episode 77. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last six years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. And we created Tribe Sober because we believe it's really hard to change your drinking habits alone. So at Tribe Sober, we're all about community. On this week's podcast, I'm in conversation with one of South Africa's national treasures, author, journalist and political analyst Eusebius MacKaiser. I first interviewed Eusebius in 2020, and that conversation remains our most downloaded episode. You can find it on Tribe Sober podcast episode 29, so please check it out later. I'll remind you at the end of the episode. I first met Eusebius almost 10 years ago at the Franchuk Literary Festival. I'd read his books, I'd seen him on TV, and I'd become one of his many fans. Ironically, we first met in a pub. I was buzzing from the booze, so bravely decided to approach him and introduce myself. Unsurprisingly, I have zero recall of that conversation. A couple of years later, I ditched the drink, started Tribe Sober, and I noticed that he'd signed up for our Dry January Challenge. And he also came along to two of our workshops, the first time to learn and the second time to help me inspire the newbies, and that he certainly did. Eusebius is now three years sober, and he's yet another example of how effective these short challenges can be. A taste of sobriety can sometimes bring about a permanent lifestyle change. So if you're ready to try a dry January, then just go to tribesober.com and hit the January challenge. You can sign up any time during January. It doesn't have to be January the 1st. You can even sign up on the 31st and do a dry February. So for a small donation to a good cause, you'll get community and online support for an alcohol-free month. 
For several years, Eusebius hosted a daily radio show, and one day he invited me to read out my goodbye to alcohol letter on the air. After that, I became a regular guest on 702 Cape Talk, and many of our tribe found their way to us via his show. One year, we even did some fundraising on the radio and raised a massive 10000 for Earth Child in one hour. Eusebius recently launched his own podcast. It's called In the Ring, and it quickly hit the number one spot in the South African podcast charts. So please have a listen to Eusebius and I shooting the breeze on the benefits and challenges of sober living. I've missed you too, but I do keep track of the work that you do, and it's work that continues to be very important. And I'm amazed just anecdotally at how big the sober curious movement in South Africa has really become. When we first introduced that kind of framing to my listeners and to the public, it felt like we were introducing neologisms. Now that kind of language is everywhere and the options that are available for those who want to socialize and still taste the taste of alcohol but not actually consume alcohol have expanded way beyond the three or four that you and I would have trotted out on a sample table in a workshop four years ago. Absolutely. I mean, the signs are there. I've, You know, we used to talk about the green shoots of recovery. <laughs> I was thinking the <laughs> other day, it's the green shoots of sobriety. And, and it, it comes to me in, in three kind of different ways. The alcohol-free drinks market has absolutely exploded. And that's particularly promising because obviously that's profit-driven. And it's profit that has driven the the way that the liquor industry has uh, marketed the product, particularly to women. For the last 25 years, mm-hmm. they've been really targeting us, particularly on the wine. And now, you know, those guys that have got endless funds to do the research, they've identified that people are wanting more healthy choices. You know, even if you're not wanting to give up completely, just to maybe have every other beer as an alcohol-free beer if you're out for a few beers. So that's very promising. And the other thing that is promising is in the old days, I mean, seven years ago, here I was in South Africa, desperate to to get help for my drinking, which was becoming ridiculous. And the only place I could find to go here in South Africa was um, AA, which which didn't really work for me. But the, the nice thing these days is there's so many online communities like Tribe Sober, you know, all over the world. So... You know, whatever demographic you're you're in, you can go on the internet, you can search sobriety groups, and you'll find a community that suits you. And the third thing that you might not know about Eusebius, it's relatively new, but us sober communities, we've got our own magazine now, (laughs) and it's called Hola Sober, you know, Hola being Spanish for hello, of course. And it's run by an Irish lady who lives in Madrid. That's uh, where the Spanish side of it comes from. And she produces this beautiful magazine and it's 100 pages. It's one of these flipping books. You know, you, you have it on your desktop 
and it's beautifully presented. And her her mission in life is to rebrand sobriety. Mm. And she's going to make sobriety as glamorous and fun as we all used to think drinking was. Mm. And she's a special lady. You know, she's, she's highly intelligent, highly passionate, and has got uh, a lot of funds to throw at this project. So that's pretty exciting that we've got our own magazine. You and I have different philosophical takes on aspects of sober curiosity. And maybe it's nice if we give our different perspectives because we'll probably thereby also catch listeners of this podcast that, that have got different needs. Some will identify with my philosophical attitude. Some will identify with yours. I... I mean, you and I are both liberal, but I am particularly enamored by the idea that it's okay for people to make bad choices. And so although, for me, the data cannot be disputed, alcohol is a drug, and it's a bad drug in the sense that it's physiological, quite apart from its sociological and psychological consequences, are objectively bad for you. Um, but I kind of like living in a society in which people make mistakes and they look back in their 40s or 50s and go, oh my God, I tossed my name as an undergraduate drunk at the Rat and Parrot in Grahamstown. Do I wish to, to run a counterfactual universe in which I was not a drunk road student? And the answer for me is no. Where you and I converge beautifully, and th- this is a gift I got from working with you on my 702 platform, is that we can finish finish each other's sentences about the upsides of sobriety. And I guess what I'm trying to say, if I, I encapsulate that, is that for me, the aim is not to be anti-alcohol, anti-drinking, anti-partying, but it really is to expand people's knowledge bases about the decisions that they are making so that they can make better decisions or at least be more cognizant of what the alternatives are to getting drunk every weekend. Yeah, I mean, for me, Eusebius, education is absolutely crucial because just as, uh, I mean, I'm so old. In my 20s, I used to smoke in the office. I used to work at the BBC. (laughs) We had a big office in a basement, no ventilation. We all used to sit there smoking our heads off. And then one day during that that particular part of my life, um, advertising cigarettes was was more or less banned and then suddenly in the media you would see all these articles cigarettes cause lung cancer Mm. and those articles never used to be in the public domain so we were all reading and going oh my god cigarettes cause lung cancer it was a big shock so many of us stopped smoking And what what I'd like to see more of is, you know, more articles about the fact that alcohol does uh, is linked to seven different types of cancer. And many, many women, uh, uh, when I I, um, contracted breast cancer in 2006, I was drinking heavily and I had no idea that there was any link between my heavy drinking and um, my cancer. 
And in fact, when uh, I went to see my oncologist, you know, I got through it, thankfully. And after a year of treatment, I went to him and I said, you know, do I need to um, give up drinking or, or have a particular diet? Because I, I don't want this thing coming back. I don't want to go through all that again. And he said, no, no, you know, you must um, enjoy your life now. You've got through this, so you must eat and drink and be merry. And I said, what? So alcohol's fine. He said, absolutely nothing wrong with a bit of wine, my dear. But, you know, because I had this dependence, I, I, I read that as carte blanche to, to drink for, for another few years. So, you know, I was uneducated back then. And I think if I'd known more, then I would have been a lot more cautious, you know, as I got older. Out of interest, do you regret your heavy drinking? Absolutely not. I always say that drinking is is great fun until it's not. And the trick <laughs> is to catch it when it starts yeah. being a problem. And for me, you know, it was really a problem in my 40s, but I didn't address it until I got into my 60s because I didn't know how to. Mm. I was no, trapped. I that's right. I mean, I, it is about the education element, absolutely. I'm not on a mission to get people to not drink. I am on a mission to get people to give themselves permission to be sober and to not succumb yeah. to peer pressure. That, for me, is the mission. Yes. And I want to speak into that, and that's where I want us to help the public. There may be people who've never thought about the possibility of having fun while sober. You and I, and in one or two of the workshops I've attended with you, we, we explicitly go there as creatives in particular we have this false construction in the media that being drunk, having drunk for a treat, being tipsy, having a buzz that is induced by alcohol are necessary ways of living the good life, being able to write a sentence that's memorable, uh, for example. And that's just complete bullshit. And yeah. one of the most liberating things about my own sobriety now, which is about three years or so, is that um, I've written some of my best columns and essays over the last year or so um, in full sobriety. And although some of my earlier writing I, I was, you know, dead when I was feeling down after a night of heavy drinking and feeling melancholy, I mean, you know, there's some of my essays for my, for my first book, for example that I wrote in the early hours of the morning while half drunk. And I quite liked some of those essays. But there's a one spectacular lie that I want to share with the public, and I want you to share your version of it. And that lie is the only way to write a good phrase is at 2 o'clock in the morning when you are busy drinking. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Yeah, well, I think, you know, again, that's part of the manipulation and the, the brainwashing that we've all been subjected to, you know, for, for so many years. And thinking about, you know, writers like yourself and artists, um, the people, I mean, think about someone like, like Hemingway, you know, completely glorified because he was um, a heavy drinker. Mm. But um, I watched uh, a documentary about him recently, and once he'd got to his late 50s, he was, you know, such a drunkard that he couldn't string a sentence together. But, you know, we all, we all presumably want to be Hemingway because he, he wrote so beautifully. <laughs> but uh, mm. the, the truth is 
is quite different. And I think, you know, society just glorifies alcohol to such a degree. And it also says that, you know, we're either a raving alcoholic or we're a normal drinker. There's still not enough emphasis on the fact that millions of us lie somewhere in between. Mm. And many of us are creeping up to the... uh, the raving alcoholic end of the, the let's, scale. Let's bust some more myths. When you wrote your classic, and I still have people stopping me referencing, that woman with a beautiful voice and beautiful surname, um, when she read that letter moment on radio, when you read your goodbye to letter, you talked about the fun things you did with alcohol as one of your best friends. And again, the manipulation of the marketing suggests that you cannot have fun unless your BFF alcohol is present. But when I watch you now on social media with your cute, cute little dog, uh, your husband that loves you dearly and who usefully gave you an ultimatum, it's not like you've you know locked yourself up in the attic. Talk to us about how wonderful, liberating it has been to discover the lie that you need alcohol in order to have a fun social life? Yeah, well, I have to confess that uh, it wasn't easy. You know, it took me a good six months. I had this limiting belief that, you know, many, many people have that I can't have fun without alcohol. But when I gave up, you know, I was quite kind of old already. And I remember thinking, well, I've had a pretty crazy life. So I'll just have to stay home and read books now. And life's going to be terribly boring, but whatever. I've got to do it to save my life because I was making myself so ill. So my expectations of sobriety were pretty low. But gradually, you know, I I was determined not to be a total recluse. So um, I went out and I forced myself to go out. But every time I went out, I saw it as a challenge. You know, I thought, well, I probably won't enjoy this evening, but I've got to go. I've got to get through it. And I did that for months and I even journaled it. You know, I would write every time I came. Sometimes I would just run off after half an hour because I felt so kind of raw and uncomfortable. And gradually, you know, it changed. And I got so, I I remember coming home in a cab after about six months of doing this torture. And I thought, oh, such an interesting evening, you know, and I've met this one, I'm having coffee with that person, and I'm going to read this book. And I realized that I'd had a, a great evening and I hadn't been near an alcoholic drink. And that was a bit of a turning point. I mean, it still took more work. But I would say, you know, it took me a year to overturn that that very deep limiting belief in my subconscious that um, I could not have al- uh, fun without alcohol. And now, you know, I do have fun. And I used to, I used to feel really embarrassed about being sober and very apologetic. And I used to live in dread that somebody would say, what are you drinking? You know, why aren't you drinking? Because I just couldn't cope with all that. But now, you know, I really relish it when someone starts attacking I me. I want to... <laughs> I mean, all of this is trite for you, and I'm getting my knowledge base from you. But I want to explain to the public why Janet felt embarrassed. The reason Janet felt embarrassed about choosing sobriety is because our default social meme is that it's unacceptable to not drink and that you have to explain why you're not drinking. And if you think about how crazy that is, and you don't get that it's crazy... Think about this analogy. 
Have you ever been asked at a dinner table or at a club or pub why you don't schnaff coke? And of course the answer is no, because there's no default social expectation that schnaffing coke is the routine thing to do. And therefore, you don't need to feel embarrassed to be someone who doesn't take coke. But when it comes to alcohol, it is so ubiquitous. I now see the, the ubiquitous nat- nature of it everywhere through my sober eyes, including unfunny jokes about it. I mean, one of my a close friend of mine, a long-time friend, a typical Facebook-type update, um, had a long, 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 long up- update that ended with the unfunny punchline, and it was all set up to be sort of like, there's false rumors being spread about me. I'm really, really tired of this. Please don't believe it. And you think, oh, my God, I wonder what they're saying about so-and-so. And then the punchline is supposed to be, it is not true that I quit alcohol. <laughs> you know, and it, and it's, <laughs> and I would ordinarily have found that funny. Five years ago, I might have found that funny. I don't judge him for that. Obviously not. I'm, I'm all for choice, as I said at the outset. But that kind of status update on on, on, on Facebook, Janet, is premised on how socially obligatory it is to be a drinker of alcohol. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very strong, and uh, and a lot of us that drink, we we drink because we're introverts, and you know we have social anxiety. And the last thing that we want is lots of attention, you know, especially when we're newly sober because you feel very kind of raw and exposed. And and it, it's really difficult for newly sober people because it's, as you say, it's it's crazy. It's the only drug we have to justify not taking. Yeah. And people say, oh, you're not drinking. So have, are you an alcoholic then? Yeah. <laughs> and even if we are, we, we don't feel up to, you know, talking about yeah. that at that point in our sobriety. So, you know, I really feel for people w- with that issue. And that's why, you know, I-, I love our challenges that we do, our sober spring, our dry January. Well, I want to get to that, you- yeah, because that's, I want to, you know, we, we, the real deal is to join Tribe Sober. If your curiosity is sparked, if your interests are piqued, we're just scratching the surface. And I just had a moment, the lull between Christmas and New Year, when I thought, let me call up my friend Janet and see whether she has 30 minutes of us. Because there's a lot more to be learned and a lot more to be said. If you join the WhatsApp groups, the online groups, you'll, you'll learn a hell of a lot more. So the long version of this conversation that's worth it is to go to tribesober.com. But in the meantime, there's a wonderful January initiative that so many people have benefited from over the years. And honestly, it is one of my most unintended but joyous achievements on radio, getting so much feedback still to this day, Janet, of people that have enjoyed it. And even if it's not a permanent change in your life, I mean, my dad went through it and he completely loved the Dry January Challenge. And I'm going to let you explain it. It's got a social justice, community impact angle to it, quite apart from an opportunity for for personal growth. Yeah, well, we we always say to people, you know, we're not saying give up alcohol, alcohol is bad, don't drink. What we're saying is just try to consider what your life might look like without it. 
be a bit sober curious. Just have a month off, take a break for a month because alcohol is so toxic that just having one month off it will have significant health benefits. About eight years ago, I met these amazing people that have uh, an NGO called Earth Child. It was a, a, it's a lady called Jana Kretzmar. She set up Earth Child about 15 years ago now. It's a, it's a beautiful NGO, and I went to visit it, and I, I got quite involved with them. What they do is they, they develop young leaders in their community. They work in seven schools in Kalicha and Lavender Hill, and they're helping uh, about 3,500 people all the time, children all the time. And they're running yoga classes, so they have life skills, they do organic gardening, and they teach these children about health you know, and how to look after their bodies. It's wonderful work that they're doing. Uh, I was drinking when I met them. And then I started World Without Wine and I was racking my brains, you know, how could I use my uh, my platform to, to help them and, and to do a bit of fundraising? So Jana and I together, we came up with this idea of let's do a dry January challenge. The idea is that people join our challenge. They give a small donation to directly to Earth Child. And in exchange for that, we uh, provide online and community support for 31 alcohol-free days. And people can sign up today or they can sign up anytime up to the 31st of January. So it's just an opportunity to take a month off. And it's also great to test your dependency because I didn't even know that I was dependent on alcohol until I tried to cut down. And then it was a, a horrible shock because I couldn't cut down. I had to have my bottle of wine every night. So I say to people, you know, even if you think your drinking's pretty much in control, just take a break. Just make sure that you're not getting dependent. And if you can get through a month without alcohol, not even miss it, not even think about it, then you've got a very healthy relationship with alcohol. How much do you pay? So, well, 250 rand will provide uh, a whole year of yoga and life skills tuition for one child. Okay, so to summarize it, if I sign up and you'll tell me how once we end this conversation, uh, I might make a donation for 250. But you will fill out the story that I'm trying to remember that's making me sad. And I can never remember it because I always try and describe it to people when I tell them to sign up, Janet. The kids from Lavender Hill who've never had silence because there's bullets around them. Yoga to you and me may be a middle-class indulgence. Before I get back to explaining the mechanism and what it means for these kids to have an opportunity, it might not mean much for the average middle-class listener of this platform, but for some of those kids, it's, it's momentous. Yeah, it's it's a moment of peace in their lives. And uh, I don't know if I, I told you this story, Eusebius, but I was at one of their classes once and a little boy came to talk to me at the end. And he said, oh, he said, I love my yoga. It's the only time that I can close my eyes without feeling afraid. Mm, that's, you know, the, that's, the, that's the boy. Mm. Yeah, I know. I've never forgotten him. Mm. Sure. So I can sponsor a boy like that for 250. I get 30 days of daily messaging to help me get through the day. That is for me the key part here. Take the social impact bit out of it. Let's be selfish for one second. We'll come back to selflessness in a, in a minute. What my dad loved about it is the daily messages were really, really good philosophical insight, a tip, a factoid. 
and it just helps you to keep going for another 24 hours in this personal challenge. Best case scenario, you stop drinking permanently and your life is still fun and healthier. Worst case scenario, you make a conscious decision that you want to drink, but you do so more fully cognizant of the true facts about alcohol. And then there's a range of options in between. You might learn to cut back or you might enjoy less foggy brain after four weeks before you return to drinking and doing so on better terms. And that's a 30-day journey. It's not much of a commitment. And the 250 rand is momentous in the life of an underprivileged kid. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. Yeah, and another advantage is a lot of people are aware that they need to drink a little less. And for anybody that doesn't know, the low risk limits are a bottle and a half of wine a week or six beers a week. So if you're drinking a lot more than that, you you really should try to cut down. So if you do dry January, you've got a much better chance after a period of complete abstinence of drinking uh, those levels. But to go from what I used to drink, which was at least a bottle of wine a night, to then only having that during a whole week, it's it's very difficult. But if you take uh, take a month off completely, and it, it's easier to monitor your units and, and keep how to a safe you, level. How can people sign up if they wanted to sign up? And I really hope they do. I'll sign up again, even though I... You know, I've been converted by you. Oh, <laughs> but thank I'll, you. I'm going to sign up and I'll pay 500 rand, and that's for the social impact. Maybe, how about I'll, I'll do this? Be honest, okay? Just be honest. The economy is really tough. I'll, I'll sponsor two people that would like to have a crack. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want them going on no. crap, do we? <laughs> um, so that's 500 rand. And then you message me, the first two that, that do so, I'll I'll put you in touch with Janet, but I'll I'll pay 500 rand. And then you can have a crack at um, at 30 days of sobriety. Let, let, let's rather do that because I think it'll be more beneficial for them. I, mm, I follow Janet's work very closely, so yeah. I'm, I'm very familiar with it. So that, that's what we'll do. Everyone else would like to donate and, and also be part of the 30-day journey. Where do they go? Tribesober.com. And then they, they can hit January 2022, January Challenge. Mm. And there's a, a picture as well on, on the homepage that they can just click through. Okay, let's end with random three, either three tips for how to cope in the, over, over this weekend when you don't want to drink. Alternatively, or you can be a mixture of both, uh, benefits that come with sobriety that you didn't expect. I'll go first. I'll just give the first three that come to mind. The single greatest benefit that Janet knows that I enjoy sharing with the public because I didn't expect it, you gain time. You're going to weird out everyone in your house because you're going to be waking up 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock on Saturdays and Sundays. Not because you've suddenly discovered a love of gardening, but because your body is well-rested, you didn't pass out, 
And if you didn't pass out, there's no need to wake up sluggish at 11 o'clock. It's obvious in hindsight, but <laughs> when I experienced it, I suddenly realized, oh my God, there's no reason to still be in bed. And so I sometimes find myself at the barbershop at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock on a Saturday. Not because I'm doing better at life than you, but because there's really no reason to be asleep if you didn't pass out on Friday night. Second tip, tell people to fuck off if they want you to justify why you're not drinking. There's absolutely no reason for you to justify as an adult why you're not drinking alcohol. That's complete nonsense. You can, if you don't swear as much as my friend Karima did, then you can try sarcasm. It's underrated. Ask them whether they are still shnaffing cocaine and see how that answer lands. And hopefully they, you know, not so thick that they can't draw the logical inference from that. And then last sort of tip, um, there are many good alternatives to alcohol. If you enjoy the taste, you will find on on Tribe Sober many beverages that are that are worth trying. I can't keep up with everything on the market. There are some brilliant gins and tonic. There are some brilliant beer. Um, I mean, there are some ciders that you can have. All the popular South African ones, like Savannah, for example, come in zero ones. And um, the drinkers won't even know that you are quote-unquote cheating. Janet, some tips? Yeah, uh, just building on that last one, Eusebius, uh, people that sign up for our challenge, they'll get a discount from Drink Nil Coza. I don't know if you've uh, dis- discovered them yet, but mm. they have all of the alcohol-free drinks um, that you can imagine, uh, at least 100 choices, and they'll deliver them to your door anywhere in South Africa. Oh, wow. So, it, so it, you know, that's a great thing to do at the beginning of the challenge. Put in an order get them get your fridge full of them and then you'll you'll be sorted for the month so yeah a tip um it's very hard to change your relationship with alcohol alone i tried for 10 years and got nowhere but the minute i'd found other people on the same path then i could uh, i could do it so whether you've got a buddy or a community like ours just get some somebody else to to do this with you mm. Look, a couple of benefits maybe um Sleep, you know, your sleep will improve. I think we get uh, only about two or three cycles of REM sleep if we drink. We, we need about seven, so you will sleep better. Hydration, you, did you know that every glass of wine that you drink, you lose the equivalent to four glasses of water from your system? Mm. So that's why when you stop drinking, even after just, you know, a week or two, your skin looks so much better and it mm. kind of plump and gets plump mm. and again and looks looks more healthy and your anxiety will reduce your immune system will strengthen and obviously you know covid is still around yeah. so the stronger our immune system Absolutely. is the, the better we'll be so uh, i could go on but i'd better <laughs> shut up now <laughs> have a beautiful weekend coming up i look forward to you and i chatting some more in the new year and um, i also want us to check in on how the journey is going with listeners of your podcast and mine during January. So maybe mid-January we can check in, maybe even do a live event so we're not only talking into the ether. Uh, So in the meantime, if you are going to sign up, please do sign up. It's for a good cause and you can challenge yourself and it's healthy. And um, keep, keep a journal of how you're getting on. 
And um, maybe on Instagram, you, me and Janet can have a conversation about three to four weeks from now. Thanks so much, Eusebius. It was such fun to chat to you today and so wonderful to have your support with the fundraising efforts. As usual, I'm going to pull out a few of the highlights from that conversation. We both agreed that the Sober Curious movement is really growing. We've got an endless variety of alcohol-free drinks now. We've got many online sobriety groups and even our own monthly magazine, Ola Sober. Eusebia strongly believes that people should be free to make their own choices in life, even if those choices are bad choices. But he did agree with me that education is important. Alcohol is a legal drug which damages our health and drinkers need to be aware of that. When tobacco advertising was banned, the information about the link with lung cancer was suddenly all over the media. If alcohol advertising was banned, we would hear a lot more in the media about the link between alcohol and seven different types of cancer, for example. Women need to know that drinking more than three small glasses of wine will raise their breast cancer risk by 15%. I learned this the hard way, and many women in our community have gone through breast cancer. Eusebius and I tackled a couple of sobriety myths. First of all, that well-known myth that you can't have fun without alcohol. That's a myth that keeps so many people trapped in their drinking. The truth is that once you've navigated those early difficult months of sobriety, then it's easy to have fun without the booze and lovely not to have to pay the price of a hangover the next day. Our subconscious minds have been convinced by a combination of marketing and peer pressure that we actually need alcohol to enjoy ourselves. We have to deprogram this thinking and in order to do that, we have to spend a few months socializing without alcohol. It's not at all easy, but if you treat it as a challenge, you will get there. And your subconscious will eventually believe that, yes, you can have fun without alcohol. And there goes that limiting belief. Another sobriety myth smashed. The second myth that we busted was the myth that we need the buzz of booze to be creative. And I do remember Eusebius raising this concern at the, the first workshop that he attended. And indeed, he wrote some of his early essays when he was on his way down from a heavy drinking session. But now he knows that he's done some of his best writing since he got sober. So there's another myth smashed out of the park. We talked about the social pressure to drink, which is relentless and hard to cope with when we're in the early stages of sobriety. Alcohol really is the only drug we have to justify not taking. And that's why challenges are so great, especially our January challenge. We can just say, I'm raising money for charity by doing a dry January. Who is going to argue with that one? We do get more confident dealing with peer pressure to drink as time goes by. And eventually, many of us are proud of our sobriety and eager to talk about it. And Eusebius always maintains that it's not our responsibility to make other people feel comfortable about their drinking. And he's quite happy to be rude to people who interrogate him about his sobriety. We talked about dependency and about the fact that alcohol kind of creeps up on you over the years. I explained that I didn't even realize what trouble I was in until I tried to cut down and I couldn't. And that's another reason challenges are great. 
It's an opportunity to test your dependency. If you can get through a month without booze easily, then you're fine. But if not, you may need to make some changes. Do a challenge at least twice a year to keep your eye on your level of dependence. So we do a dry January and a sober spring, trying to help people to do that. And the challenge is also useful if you just want to cut down on your drinking. The low risk limits are just one and a half bottles of wine a week or six beers. So if you think there's a possibility of you keeping within those limits, then do a challenge, have a month off, and then it'll be so much easier to reset the pattern and drink within the safe limits. And remember, if you keep trying and keep failing to drink within those limits, then you do need to quit. Eusebia stressed that the Earth Child Project helps children to find a moment of peace in their difficult lives. Yoga may be perceived as a middle-class pastime, but in fact the postures and the breathing exercises bring a sense of calm to children who grow up surrounded by gang violence and poverty. I told my story about the little boy who came up to me at the end of the yoga class. He explained that the only time he felt he could close his eyes was in the yoga class. It was the only time he felt safe. We concluded with a few tips and benefits of sobriety. For Eusebius, the main benefit has been the time that he's regained now that he no longer drinks. He wasn't even expecting this benefit, but these days he loves getting up early at the weekend and just getting on with his day, rather than languishing in bed all morning to recover from the Friday night drinking session. His tip was to stock up on alcohol-free drinks. Dry January challenges get a discount from Drink Nil Koza. My benefit was sleep. As drinkers, we only get two cycles of REM sleep. That's the deep, restful sleep. And we need seven. So over the years, we build up a permanent sense of fatigue if we drink. And even a month off the booze will boost our energy levels as we finally get some decent sleep. And my tip was to find your people. It's very hard to change your drinking alone. So join a sobriety group like Tribe Sober, perhaps, tribesober.com. Check us out. So I do hope we've inspired you to sign up for the January challenge. Just go to tribesober.com and hit January challenge 2022. Now it's time to open up my phone and go to the first member message that inspires me. We host our member chat on Slack and we have an introductions channel. So as people join up on Slack, they introduce themselves on this channel, which is really nice. So I've picked out one of the messages on there from Jackie. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. And thanks to Janice who introduced me to the tribe. I managed two years and seven months sober in the recent past, but I fell off the wagon when a stressful time came round. I think I partly failed because I tried to do it alone and became super sociophobic, retreating to my bed every night with huge dinners followed by sweet treats. The weight gain was not a pretty sight. So I'm back on day one, and it feels so good to be surrounded by like-minded people with whom I can connect and share my ups and downs. So well done, Jackie. You're in exactly the right place. Connection is the opposite of addiction, and we're here to encourage you and share your ups and downs. 
So if you enjoyed listening to Eusebius' views on sobriety, then don't forget to listen to the earlier interview that I did with him, Tribe Sober Podcast, episode 29. So that's it from me. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us and share the podcast, and we'd be so grateful if you'd leave us a review. I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.